You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is Mike on the Mic on GGR Pirate Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is Mike on the Mic on the GGR Pirate Radio Network. It is another wonderful episode here where I'm, I'm running things solo uh, for us here at the Great Geek Refuge when it comes to uh, my podcast. As I promised when I started redoing Mike on the Mic, I, I wanted to do things that were different. I didn't just want to do the same old stuff that we do on GGR Pirate Radio, which, I mean, is great. Everybody loves talking about movies and comic books and sports and music, all the things that we love. But there's also a lot more to life than just those things. And that's kind of what I want to explore with this podcast, is I want to explore these things that maybe a lot of us have questions about, but we've never really been brave enough to ask, or we didn't know where to start. And that's why I have our guest today. Uh, His name is Joe Kachuk. He, I've known him since 2002. Two, yeah, because that's when we were in AIT. Was I want to say it was like March or April of two thousand two. Does that sound about right? Sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we we had the same job in the army. It was uh, it was called psychological operations. And one of the things that was fascinating to me about Joe was that he is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, or as many people refer to them as Mormons. And I knew absolutely nothing about what it was to be a Mormon, what what the religion was about at all, other than what I had seen on like TV and like all these crazy things like, oh, they're not allowed to have sugar. They're not allowed to have caffeine, like all these things. Again, no idea what it actually was, what it actually meant, because me growing up Jewish and then not really going to synagogue or temple because my mom was not a very good Jew. Um, you know, I mean, we celebrated Christmas. That doesn't really make us very good Jews now, does it? Um but it, religion has always been something that's fascinated me. And and I studied it when I went to college after I got out of the military. And now that I have this platform of podcasting, I want to have my friends. I want to have people who are involved in these different churches and these different organizations kind of explain to us what these things are. So, so Joe, I wanted to start off with kind of the, the easy question here. What is it? What does it mean to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints? Are are you guys Christian? Are you like a sect of Christianity, like you know, like some Baptist or or Lutheran or Methodist? Like, how, where do you guys fall into that category? Yeah, so that's a really great question. I'm glad you asked it. I I get that question a lot. Um, <clears throat> the best way for me to answer that would be uh, for myself. The way that I would answer that: Do I consider myself a Christian? Yes, absolutely, I do. Now, if you were to ask some other people that were not members of my church, they might give you other answers, uh, depending on their perspective. But for people in my church, uh, do we consider ourselves Christians? Without a doubt. There's no doubt about that at all. Now, um, when it comes to different Christian groups, there are kind of some main categories. Uh, and this kind of jumps back in how, how far do you want me to go back in history here? <laughs> I guess that's the big question. Um, well, one, I mean, that... I honestly like I think that that's even a, a, another question, too, because I want to know about that, too, because um, coincidentally, I've been watching the Ken Burns documentary on Netflix uh, called The West, which let me tell you, whole chapter devoted to Mr. Joseph Smith. I, I kind of want to know a little bit all about all that, like how it all started, like 
what you, what your feelings on that are, those sorts of things. But yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, take us back. I mean, give, give us kind of the, the, the history lesson of, of like where you guys fit in. Because I mean, history does play a, a huge part in that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if we take it back to full on in the uh, the time of Jesus Christ. So we're talking like, you know, 2000 years ago, right? Um, <clears throat> after his death and resurrection, you got the apostles going around. Um, they were they were teaching, going to different places, that kind of stuff. We get a, a lot of the epistles of Paul. He's writing letters to different places. He, he's visited and trying to you know keep things in order. Um, basically, uh, the only church system that survived after that became the Catholic Church, which essentially Catholic means universal, right? So universal Christian kind of church. And I can go into detail about a bunch of that stuff, but uh, basically um, later on, you know, several, several, you know, centuries, that kind of stuff later, uh, there's what's called the Reformation or the Protestant Reformation. Uh, this is you know, started by like people like Martin Luther and you know, stuff like that, where they're like, you know what, there's some stuff going on in the church that we don't kind of agree with. We don't really feel like there's a, a good um, foundation of doctrine to support some different things. And, and here's kind of our grievances, right? And so different groups broke off of the Catholic Church. You also have the Church of England, which is another you know, break off of the um, of the Catholic Church, and that's kind of like some because of divorce reasons and things like that. But um, so most Christian churches fall into uh, either like a Catholic type of uh, Christianity, or they're a, a Protestant type of Christianity, uh, where it's one of those splinter groups that said, you know, we we're protesting against what's going on here. We think there's a better way. And here's why. And so a lot of the pro, uh, Protestant groups um, can kind of be defined by, like, if you say like Baptist or Lutheran, this kind of stuff, they're they're named after the different things that are defining what they think is important, right? Whether it's mode of baptism or we feel like, you know, Martin Luther really had something good to say. We're going to kind of follow what he, he taught about this or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, now, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I would say, is not in either of those groups. <laughs> which makes okay. it a little bit strange, right? <laughs> okay. uh, we're not part of a reformation. We consider ourselves part of a restoration. Uh, the difference being uh, we consider, and, and not to try to say that we're kind of a, um, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to oversimplify <laughs> first year, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, we believe in a priesthood authority. So basically take it back to like you know, Moses, Aaron, that kind of stuff you know, high priests and priests and uh, things of that nature, uh, we believe in that stuff, that that's still important. Uh, and so uh, where Joseph Smith comes into play is um, the restoration of that priesthood authority, and along with a bunch of other things, again, I'm totally oversimplifying this, uh, kind of came back through him. Uh, so he is a, um, a modern-day prophet and uh, received that restoration of priesthood, a, a bunch of other things as well. And therefore, what we're talking about is a restoration, a, a bringing back to the original um, you know, Christ and his apostles type of structure and uh, priesthood authority and that kind of thing. Does that make sense? It it does, yeah, because it's it's one of those things that I always wondered, like, you had these, in, you know, in the ancient times, or as they, you know, the biblical times. Sure, there were, right. <laughs> there, were there were prophets. There were there were all of these figures that were ordained by God to, to send his message. And then it's just like, it just stopped. And there were none. You know, it's like, hey, we don't get any of those. Sorry. Yeah. You know, and I was I was wondering, like, why that was. And like, I always found that fascinating that, like, is it that we as a people, like just humans in general, we're just we became distrustful or like, I mean, technology where we're like, well, there's no way that this guy could possibly be a prophet of God. And here's why, because he used to work at McDonald's or like whatever it is, you know, sure, it's, sure. It, it was always fascinating to me why there weren't more 
uh, essentially modern day prophets or, or modern day um, messengers of God. And I mean, essentially that what you're saying is that's what Joseph Smith was. Exactly. Right now. Now, here's going to be the, the crazy part, like, you know, maybe blow your mind or, or whatever. But um, as far as a prophet, like if we define what a prophet really is, it's someone that receives inspiration and or revelation from from God or from heaven or whatever you want to talk about. Right um, now, here's the thing. Uh, I don't believe, and this is you know standard belief system for my church too, is that there's only one sole per- person that can receive that kind of inspirational revelation. I believe that's open to everyone. The difference being, um, there are different priesthood authorities or keys, as we call them. Um, different people can hold different keys in the priesthood, and different people have different spheres of responsibility. But really, I'm responsible for what happens in my family, right? For what happens with my daughter or me, right? I need to be in such a place, um, as far as the way I live my life, that I'm in tune, that I could receive that kind of revelation and inspiration for my family. So in a sense, I'm responsible for being a prophet in my house. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it, it's it, it kind of like an, a responsibility that you take upon yourself. and. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Like, it, it, it's, it's, you don't have to be, or you don't have to have somebody come and tell you, like, oh, hey, by the way, you're the dad. Um, so now you got to take after your kids. No, obviously, you understand that. And it's, it's a almost like a, you take it upon yourself, but at the same time, it's part of, I mean, just like we all know, you know, you shouldn't kill somebody, but it's still a commandment, you know? Exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what's interesting again about my church, and we actually just had um, just today started what's called General Conference, which is where the whole church meets uh, as one across the whole world, essentially. So, it's televised and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things that we do, and this has been going on since the time of Joseph Smith, is sustaining of church officers. So basically, um, in each general conference, uh, someone whoever's conducting for that you know, that part of the meeting will say, "Okay, now it's time to." Essentially, uh, each person individually can say whether they sustain each leader. You know, the, this this person because we we have a prophet even today uh, that leads the church. You know, do we sustain this person as a, as a prophet? You know, here's the other people, the church leaders. Do we sustain them as well? And you have the choice to say yes or no, right? And so it's not just this you know, very authoritarian, like, you know, whatever kind of thing. Each person gets to say, yes, I actually believe this thing. And we expect each person to have inspiration regarding that as well, to say, don't just take my word for it. You should actually pray about this and have an expectation of hearing back from God about it, whether it's true or not. And then we expect you to follow whatever you're inspired to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely, it definitely makes sense. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you too, about this is I think Oftentimes, and, and I kind of alluded to this before, is there were prophets before, you know, and yep. then it was just like this long stretch where there were none. And then this guy shows up in, in upstate New York and he finds these books. And I, I want to know a little bit more about that because everybody knows like the basic story. He found these these it was was like scrolls or texts or it was golden books, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll, I'll explain that here, too. So so basically, please do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's a really interesting, uh, you know, character. He's basically growing up in this area, and there's a lot of kind of religious fervor going on, like different preachers, different teaching, different things, and uh, much like people today, like there's so many different sects, so many different perceptions and perspectives and interpretations of everything. He was kind of like, I don't know what to do. Like, 
part of his family was like Methodist, part of it was you know, like Lutheran or Baptist or something else. And so he's kind of caught in the middle saying, I don't know what's, what, what the truth is, truth is, right? He goes and reads the Bible and everything, right? Uh, like with his family and stuff on a regular occasion. And um, he's like, well, I can read this, but you know, this group's going to interpret this this way and this other group's going to interpret it this way. I don't know which one's right. And so he decides he's going to ask God. He's going to pray about it. And that's based on some scriptures he found and everything too. Uh, but he basically he went off on his own and said in the woods, okay, all right, God, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> can you tell me, can you give me a little, uh, you know, a uh, little heads up here, what I'm supposed to do? Cause I, I don't know. And, um, during that prayer, he receives a, uh, a visitation from God, just like straight up prophet, you know, Moses kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And, um, and they, God basically tells him, Hey, um, so all of these churches you know, about me, they're, they're, they don't quite have the authority there. There's good stuff going on, but none of them really has it all right. Uh, and so actually, you're going to be the person to kind of restore things and that kind of stuff and um, share a bunch of information with them, essentially. Now, one of the things that's really important about this visitation is two personages appear to him. Uh, one of those is um, who we call Heavenly Father, right? God, Heavenly Father. And the other one is called Jesus Christ. Now, this is very different from the doctrine of the Trinity. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, that is kind of um, the big belief system of the time that the God is kind of one thing and he's kind of three things all at the same time. Uh, so that, you know, God, yeah. the Father, the, Father, God, the, the Son, the Holy Spirit, yeah. That they're three, three different beings, but they're also the same being at the same time. Um, we don't believe in the Trinity. <laughs> Instead, we believe there are three distinct beings. Uh, one in purpose, if that makes sense. So, okay, just to make sure we're clear. It, yeah, the, 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 the belief structure is that it, they are three separate things. They're not the same person. They're not the same entity. They're all different. Absolutely. Okay. Now, for example, like if, and there's several different um, examples of this in the scriptures too. Uh, that kind of support this idea. Like when Jesus Christ was baptized by John the Baptist, uh, there was a voice that came from heaven saying, you know, this is my beloved son. And then the Holy Spirit appeared in the form of dove. You have three distinct person personages represented right there. Uh, when Christ prays, who is he praying to? <laughs> right? When he says, not my will, but thou thine be done. That's the father he's talking to. He's not talking to himself or some other extension of himself. Or something like that. That's that's the way we believe. Anyway. Yeah. Um, now the idea being that um, so we the three of them together we call the Godhead, uh, okay. but uh, make no mistake, God, the, the Father is God, right? Um, but uh, we kind of look at God as a title in a sense. So also Jesus Christ is God, but we don't pray to Him. We pray to our Heavenly Father. Same thing with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is part of the Godhead, um, but we don't pray to Him either. Uh, we when we do pray. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, he being kind of our mediator. I know I'm kind of throwing a lot of stuff out here already, uh, but does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it totally does. And like, honestly, it makes more sense than trying to explain that, like, it's God, the, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. They're all the same person, but they're not the same person. Like, it's it, like yeah. it's <laughs> it, it makes way more sense. And it's like. And not to not to belittle it, let me state that up front. But a lot of times you you hear these things and like you're almost like this sounds like a comic book, you know? Like, hey, there was one there was one Superman and then he died, and then there were four Supermen, but which one's actually Superman? Oh, they're all Superman. Wait a minute. 
hang on back up so it's like <laughs> and that's and that's kind of i'm not again not trying to belittle anybody's religion that's, or beliefs but yeah like that's that's kind of for somebody who's an outsider to all of this that's kind of how it seems and it's so funny how these things get misconstrued because people are like oh joseph smith just got found some books and he decided to start a religion it's it sounded like he's doing the same thing that so many of us do Absolutely. he just he just he wanted truth <laughs> Yeah. Right. Uh, and and so that what's really compelling to when we often tell people about this kind of you know Joseph Smith story is just like you're saying like well that's that's so many other people I I just want to know and so what we're saying well if it worked for Joseph Smith it can work for you too now you may not receive a visitation but uh, we believe you can have an expectation of some sort of communication from God to you usually that's in the form of what we call again the Holy Ghost that might bring it might be in this in the sense of a a feeling in your heart or, you know, deep, like what, may, what some people might call their conscience or, you know, something like that. It could be some, some other form of, of, um, communication, uh, that might be unique to you. Um, but each, we expect each person has that ability. Each person has that direct line to God that they can rely on. And so yeah. as with Joseph Smith, right, he receives his visitation and everything. And so then it's he he tells some other people about it like well, it was fantastic his family believes him right but some other people like he tells a minister and he's like no that's that's of the devil like <laughs> this is absolutely wrong and then like persecution starts right there like oh here's this kid that um is making up these stories and everything that's that's dangerous we should kind of quash this kind of thing right uh but he doesn't deny the story he's kind of like well you know like, i can't really deny it it happened so what, what am i supposed to do and it's later on when he receives another visitation, and this time he's in his home, like in his bed or whatever, waking up in the middle of the night or whatever, and he receives a visitation from an angel. And this angel's name is Moroni, and um, he basically tells Joseph Smith about uh, this record that is deposited in, in the ground uh, somewhat close to where he lives and shows him in, in kind of a, a vision, like a picture of where that is. And gives him instructions on, you know, to go there and that kind of stuff. And so Joseph Smith goes to this location later on, and the angel meets him there. And Joseph Smith tries to retrieve the record, and the angel stops him, says, you're not ready for this yet. Come back in another year, you know, same day, whatever, we'll talk again. And this happens over a couple of years or whatever, right? He's coming back, okay, I'm ready to get this thing. Like, no, no, you're not ready yet. You need to get your life in order a little bit better or whatever. Uh, so finally, he does get the record and, and some other items as well. Now, the record itself is, uh, it's um, like sheets or plates of gold that are kind of like, think of like a three ring, three ring binder kind of thing. Like they have holes in the, in the, in the end of these um, uh, plates and there's like a ring through each of them. That's how they're held together, kind of like pages, right? Okay, yeah. Engravings on them. And um, so he gets this record, and he's told to, to keep it safe and keep it, um, you know, the, the record is sacred, and that he ought to not show it to anyone, keep it to himself kind of thing, uh, but that he's going to be translating it. And he's like, well, you know, I don't know what this is. You know, like a bunch of scratches on a, some metal. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> and so um, he's actually given... Um, some things that, that are like interpreters, like these little stones that he um, uses to, uh, through the power of God, to translate this record. Now, most of the time, he's translating and kind of dictating to someone else who's acting as a scribe to write the stuff as he goes along. Now, um, of course, people hear about this, like, oh, you know, old Joe Smith has got this gold, let's go take it, or whatever. And so he's constantly trying to be on guard to you know, hide this record and, and keep it from in the hands of other people that might want to do ill with it. And um, 
eventually he does complete the translation, and that is what we call the Book of Mormon. Now, this um, this record, and again, I'm throwing out a lot of information here, yeah. is a record of, essentially it starts with a family with uh, a man named Lehi, who is living in the area of Jerusalem. I want to say it's about 600 um, BC, if I remember right. Six or 400, something like that. Anyway, so Lehi is actually a prophet in his own right in the Jerusalem area. And he receives a vision uh, way back when about the destruction of Jerusalem. And uh, he's like, and he, and he tells people about it, like, hey, we need to really, you know, get our act together. Uh, I think it's the Babylonians that end up coming in and, and you know, taking people or whatever. Uh, he's like, you know, we need, we need to do this and that and the other. And, and, and people say, no, we're not going to do this. Anyway, um, God tells him to leave. And so he, he takes his family and heads off <laughs> into the wilderness. Um, kind of his own little mini exodus, so to speak. And he ends up taking another family with him and some other people. And they also take a record with them uh, that's written on brass plates. Uh, so similar to the way that the um, the golden plates are created later, uh, but these are a record of like the books of Moses and things of that nature. And so they're able to keep some of this uh, scripture uh, ver um, records with them in, in their journeys. So um, they journey in the wilderness for several years. They end up um, one of Lehi's sons. His name is Nephi, and he's kind of a, a righteous guy. He ends up being kind of a prophet later on in his life. And um, so Nephi is kind of the, the good son. And there's also a couple uh, a couple of bad sons as well. Uh, one of them named Laman. Now uh, the the family goes. Nephi is actually commanded and shown how to build a ship. He builds a ship. They get on the ship. They sail into the ocean, and they end up in this kind of land of promise that God has directed them to. And there's a lot of miracles and things that happen along the way of there, of course. Just even arriving there is kind of a miracle. Um, and they arrive in this promised land, and um, they start doing their own thing and you know, setting up their own little civilization. Well, there's a lot of kind of bad blood between Laman and Nephi. And so eventually Nephi, uh, he gets... Um, some inspiration or revelation and is guided to leave that settlement and start his own. And thus starts kind of these two separate civilizations growing one uh, following after Nephi or called the Nephites, one following after Laman called the Lamanites. And the book of Mormon is the record kept by Nephi and those following after him of the dealings between the Nephites and the Lamanites. Now um, this is in the American continent, but where exactly we don't know where the things happen that are listed in the Book of Mormon. Some people say, hey, this could have been the Mayas or whatever. I, I don't know. <laughs> right? We don't really know. Uh, a lot of that's speculation. Uh, but anyway, um, the Book of Mormon kind of chronicles, it's kind of like, um, uh, a lot of it's like a record of the Old Testament. Okay. Uh, just here's history of what's going on. Here's some wars that happened and all this kind of stuff. There's a bunch of different characters, and I could go deep into all these different things that happen. Uh, but basically, the Nephites keep these records. They pass it down from one person to another. So there are several different books within the Book of Mormon uh, based on who is the author of that section, uh, for example, right? Yeah. Now, uh, a bunch of different things happen, but probably like the, the, big, the big climactic event uh, in the record is um, Jesus Christ, after his death, um, he visits... Uh, the the people in the American continent. And so there's a, a bunch of prophecies that is going to happen, that kind of stuff. But basically he comes down uh, from heaven and kind of says, well, here, here I am. I've, I've already been crucified, this kind of stuff. And, you know, we're just going to, I'm going to teach you some things about this new gospel. And so from that point, the people stop living the law of Moses and kind of switch over to uh, this different law 
of Jesus Christ, of the gospel, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so we, and it goes on from there. Uh, Basically, there's a number of different generations that are all very righteous after that point. They're kind of all unified as one people. And then there starts to be some dissensions among the people. They kind of go back to some old ways. And there's this, um, uh, a lot of corruption that starts kind of creeping into the population. And eventually they split off again (laughs) into these different groups. And, um, and one of the groups ends up wiping out the other one. So what are kind of like the, the, the Nephites? They're all eventually kind of wiped out. And the last survivor that we know of, of the Nephites, is a man named Moroni. And he uh, is the last person to hold these, this record. And he deposits it in the ground and you know, prays over it. That's going to be protected, that kind of thing. And, and that's the last that we know of, of the, the Nephites, right? Now, that same Moroni is the same per- personage that visited Joseph Smith to tell him about the record. And so oh. what we're saying also, one of our beliefs is that angels are not some different species. These are people. Uh, maybe some of them that have lived on earth before, and like in the case of Barone, or people that may not have been born yet. Now, that also means that we believe in a pre-mortal existence, that uh, the spirit uh, actually exists before birth or before conception even. Uh, and and uh, anyway, I, I'll stop and let's say, do you have any questions before I jump into this next part? <laughs> that's, I mean, I, wow, I didn't know all that, but I mean, that's, damn, <laughs> that's, <laughs> wow, like that's very different than a lot of the other, yeah, I mean, because like, because there's the whole thing where it's like, oh, angels are these weird things that God created, and one of them is, is it's, it's uh, uh, like 25 eyes surrounded by fire and, and, <laughs> right, and 37 right. wings, and you're like, what the hell? Like, right. it's... You know, Someone like, like a it, head of a or something like, whoa, what's going on here, right? Yeah, um, I thought angels were like cute little chubby little dudes with wings yeah, and sure. they floated around and they're adorable. Like it's yeah, like th- that almost makes more sense, too, because who's going to communicate with humans, other humans right. or people that that have that shared existence? The whole like preordained like they're, they're already you're already in, in a thing. Your soul exists before it meets your body. That's, I mean, that's interesting. I've, I've never, again, I didn't know much about any right. of this. That, that's, that's very interesting. So, so essentially we believe that the, uh, the spirit is eternal. Okay. That basically that, uh, that all of us have been around essentially forever, so to speak. Right. Um, now essentially, uh, God has kind of, um, I guess spiritually born us like, so rather than just being like uh, uh, something that is aware, you know, maybe that's like, I can go into speculation or anything, but uh, going from an awareness to an intelligence. Yeah. Uh, God is the person helping us progress through that kind of, and now from an intelligence into a person, into a person to the next stage and that kind of thing. So he's like our big, like our father and our coach, you know, <laughs> I think our trainer, you know, all those things kind of wrapped into one. Uh, now, essentially what's going on is we're going through this kind of progression of being, you know, for going from an awareness to, you know, whatever. Um, at one point, there's this big kind of council, so to speak, in let's call heaven, right? Uh, so this is, if we define heaven as where God lives, you know, whether that's another dimension or another planet or whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, we'll say that's heaven, right? And now we've got all these different spiritual beings there, and we're deciding, uh, here's the plan. The next step in progression is for you to gain a body and have this experience of this mortal life, right? And what do y'all think about that kind of thing? And so God presents this, you know, plan, and there's some disagreement. 
Now, the, per, the person that's kind of the, the head of the di disagreeers or the dissenters in this case is Lucifer, right? Or Satan or whatever your name for this person is. Yeah. Uh, and he's leading this resistance to say, you know what? There's actually a better way because if we do it this way, there's going to be a lot of people that um, are not going to live worthily and they're not going to be able to come back to the presence of God anymore. So I've got a better way. Let's do this. We're not going to grant um, people free or, or moral agency or free will or whatever. We're going to compel everyone to do what is right, to live in such a way that they don't make mistakes or whatever. And that way everyone will say it will be saved. And, and the problem is there's no choice to that, right? And so you have this kind of war, so to speak, uh, if, you, if it's between spirits, not like you know, a spirit's going to die or something, but more of a kind of war of ideas or priorities or perceptions. And so Lucifer leads this kind of, uh, again, rebellion uh, against God, uh, saying we should do it this way instead. And him and all his followers are essentially cast out. And it doesn't work that way. Uh, nice try and everything. Uh, you can change your mind and come back with us. But if you don't, you're, you're essentially stopped. You can't progress anymore because you're not willing to go into this next stage where you have to have choices. That's the yeah. whole purpose of being here. Um, so that's where kind of the, the origin, so to speak, of, of Satan or Lucifer is. Whereas on the other end, you have um, Jesus Christ, who says, you know what, no, this is the right way. And, but there's a necessity here because of people. So in the God being perfect, um, basically to be in his presence, to be around him, to live in that same area, you have to live the same uh, law, heavenly law that he does. He, like if if there's a he's surrounded by imperfect things, it degrades what he is, so to speak. Right? Um, he is a being of perfect justice, so he he must demand justice. Right? So um, with all that, saying, well, if if I come down and I live lower than this law, I, I disregard this law and I make mistakes, which we all do. Uh, how do I get to come back and live with my heavenly Father and progress to these next stages and things of that nature um, when I'm imperfect? And so what we're saying is it, the necessity is for a savior, someone that can pay the price for uh, pay, you know, meet the demands of justice for all the mistakes and all the sins that are, that are made in order for people to come back because I can't do it on my own, right? It's kind of like thinking about like um, uh, debt. Like if um, I'm in, in a huge amount of debt and the, um, you know, the mortgage comes due or whatever, like I'm supposed to pay all this debt by, you know, this time and I don't have that money. Now what? You know, I'm, you know, I go to jail, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's kind of the situation we're stuck in. And so what happens is with Jesus Christ, uh, him living a perfect life himself, and, and it, it's more complicated than that, but kind of really kind of um, simplifying things. Um, he has the the capability to pay that price for us. And so he did that on our behalf. So he essentially becomes our new creditor, so to speak. And that's what the uh, the New Testament or the New Covenant uh, is all about, is Christ stepping as, as our mediator between us and our Heavenly Father, saying, uh, look, if you come with me, uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, like, say, before I married my wife, let's say uh, she had a ton of debt. Uh, or, or let's let's do it this way. I had the ton of debt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My wife has uh, an infinite positive bank account. So when we get married and combine our our accounts, uh, my debt is swallowed up in her positivity, right? And that's the same kind of way we look at Jesus Christ, being if we combine with Him, if we take on His name, we take that that kind of covenant relationship with Him. Um, I can't be rejected because I'm going in with Him. 
<laughs> if that makes sense. Like I, I, he's going to step in and say, we're going to be judged together as one. And therefore you can't be held out because you're coming with me. And so as long as I meet the expectations that Christ has set forth that are difficult, but possible, uh, I can go in with him essentially. And the idea is being, if I keep at it, if I keep trying to, um, turn away from my mistakes and I learn from them and say, okay, I'm not going to do that ever again. Okay. Uh, eventually I can achieve uh, perfection as well. Uh, not in this lifetime, but hopefully, uh, you know, after, uh, I have died and passed on and, and I'm still learning over, uh, you know, an infinite amount of time because the spirit is, uh, you know, without, um, without an end point, then eventually I get to become perfect as well. Now here's another, I'm going to throw in another doctrine in here that might blow your mind a little bit too. Um, God is a, per, is a personage. Uh, he has a body and essentially he being our father, just like with, with between me and my daughter, I want to hope, I, I want and hope and pray for her to be everything that I am and maybe more. Now, God being our all powerful, that's our relationship between, between us and him. He's trying to help us be like him. So we are kind of like heirs to him, and he wants us to be gods in our own right. And if we follow that path that he set forth, that's how we do that. Does that blow your mind? Is that crazy? Or <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, again, too, it's, it's one of those things where, again, what makes this unique is, is, is the outsider's perspective for me, is that without really having a religion that I really am like, this is the answer, as, as long as my as far as my belief structures go, I can yeah. hear these belief structures from other religions and really kind of understand them and and be like, OK, yeah, I, I can get that. I, that totally makes sense. And that's what you're what you're telling me makes sense. And yeah. it's the same thing with like, again, too, this is a modern take on these things that are thousands of years old. Sure. You're, you're, we're taking these things that were written by people that are no longer really, quote unquote, our contemporaries. And you're taking a religion and you're more or less like not updating it, but you're saying like, hey, these are the things that we learned, but here's what we really should be doing with this. And I, I get that. And the actual framework makes a lot of sense. So the, the questions that I have for you is you're not when it comes to like if, if you're going to assign places for religions, right? Catholicism, it's got Vatican City, right? Yeah, we all know that. Um Judaism, um, Israel, sure. Um, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is Utah. I mean, that's like your, that's your holy land, more or less. And I'll say the, yes and no to that, but go ahead. Okay, okay, yeah, because I wanted to ask about that too. Is like, was that a, was that by choice or was that by, this is where we can go and not get persecuted? Because I know that as as you guys moved west, you at one point the stop was in Indiana. That didn't really work so well, and you kept going west. It, was that by design, or was that like that? That's kind of where I'm where I'm curious with this. Sure. Um, well, if you ask by design, I, I might say yes. <laughs> it depends on. I mean, I, I I always think that God has a plan. Things probably pretty well con you know, conform to His plan. Um, but as far as you know, from a, a person's perspective, it probably didn't seem like that at the time. Yeah. Uh, so. Joseph Smith is actually from New York, and so that's where um, the what we call the first vision, that, that visitation from, from God and Jesus Christ, occurred. Uh, that's where he received the uh, golden plates um, uh, in Palmyra, New York. 
Uh, but then he uh, ended up moving to a couple different places. There was like a Kirtland, Ohio. Uh, there was um, Independence, Missouri. Um, and then Nauvoo, Illinois. And eventually uh, farther out west. Now, um, the one of the gathering places was in Missouri in this place called Independence. And um, which is you know still around today and everything. Uh, yep. But there was actually a lot of persecution in that area uh, from different people at the time. Now, what was going on was uh, we are a proselyting religion, as everyone knows, <laughs> right? And it's it's always uh, on that note though. It's always kind of funny when uh, people look at our religion as being very secretive, and like, well, what kind of secret organization comes to your house and tries to tell you about it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they're, they're, we have some, we have um, some nice missionary Mormon kids that are in, living in our neighborhood right now, and they're always yeah. very nice, and they're always really friendly, and they wave and they smile. Like, yeah, they're not they don't really seem too secretive. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on right. that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, here, here's my little challenge to you. Like, next time you see him, like, ask them to help you out with something. Like, hey, can you help me come with my artwork or something? I bet you they'll be like, oh, yeah, we're all over it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, what other kind of group of people can can you have that kind of confidence in? But but anyway, <clears throat> um, uh, incidentally, now that we're bringing up missionaries as well, uh, I was a missionary uh, before I joined the Army. Uh, so that was back in, like, 99 to 2001. I served in a, a mission called the Japan Sendai Mission which is kind of the northern section of the main island in Japan called Honshu. Uh, and so I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more later because that actually had a really big impact on me in my time in the army, not only in training, but in deployment and that kind of stuff. Uh, but anyway, let's see back to the question. Oh, what was it? <laughs> I lost myself a little bit. Um, is, okay. uh, is, so move- Utah, is Utah your promised land? Okay. So um, Basically, a lot of what we're doing, the, even in the name of the church, Latter-day Saints, what we're saying is we're defining this as kind of like the final hour, right? That uh, what we're expecting, like there's a lot of time uh, before Christ was leading up to Christ's ministry. There's a lot of things kind of looking for, okay, this is what's going to happen here. Uh, then once he came, now what are we looking for? <laughs> what are we waiting for? The next thing is the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is not going to be him being like born uh, all over again or something, but it's going to be... Uh, like revelation, that kind of stuff in the Bible. Uh, that's all like second coming kind of stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. And what we're trying to do as a people, as a church is prepare the world for that second coming. Um, so lots of revelations about that, of course, already uh, some happen more contemporarily you know, with Joseph Smith and, or other prophets. And uh, so this place in Independence, Missouri was kind of staked up to be, there should be a, a temple created here. And that's going to be kind of like this this special place and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the people were driven out. Uh, there was a lot of proselyting going on at the time. And so people were coming in from not only the, the East Coast, but also like in England. They were traveling over and they were congregating here in this place in Independence, Missouri. And uh, other Missourians uh, didn't like that at the time. They said, oh, they're going to they're gonna get political control. They're going to be this huge voting group. And they're going to put some, you know, quote unquote Mormon, you know, in charge of the state and all this other kind of stuff. And so there was a bunch of kind of um, harassment and attacks on different people and some resistance to those kind of things as well. And so that kind of got blown out of proportion. And eventually the governor, uh, Governor Boggs at the time, uh, created what was called uh, the it's called the extermination order. Basically, it put into law that uh, basically anyone of the church either had to leave the state or they get exterminated. And uh, so, (laughs) yeah, pretty big deal. Now, it's actually been overturned more recently, which is good, but it was actually on the books for a long time. Uh, And so that happened quite a bit in a lot of different areas that they settled in. Uh, People got scared. They're like, whoa, there's 
like they're being really industrious here. Um, like the city of Nauvoo, which was created by um, members of the church, was one of the, I think, the if not the biggest uh, city on the Mississippi River, period, you kind of thing. And it was all like church members, pretty much, that had started the thing that lived there, that kind of stuff. Uh, but anyway, it was the, um, the eventual assassination of Joseph Smith, uh, which there was some kind of different charges based on like, um, like, like treason or insurrection or things like that that happened from Missouri that, that they were just trying to like say, hey, this is really a bad guy. He should be executed, that kind of stuff. So he finally turned himself in after being hiding and stuff for, for a while. And um, while he was awaiting trial, that kind of thing, a bunch of a mob came in and, and broke into the jail and, uh, and assassinated him and his brother as well uh, in, in that, that instance. And so it was things after that, that, um, they finally said, you know what, we're going to get out of here. <laughs> and they actually left the United States at that time. Uh, Utah was not a state, um, and settled in this, uh, you know, far out West where there's no one else there. It's out in the desert. <laughs> yeah. And so it kind of started this whole place. So is there something special about Salt Lake city in particular? Uh, well, the people were directed there. Um, but maybe that's not like the Holy land, so to speak, or something like that, if, if that makes sense. Um, now we also see Jerusalem as being an important place, of course, and even the, um, the covenants that God made with Abraham are extremely important as well. Those are still in effect in, yeah. in our, and so we actually believe, uh, that we are adopted into the family of Abraham into one of the tribes of Israel, uh, as part of our entering into our church through baptism and things of that nature. Uh, there's actually a, a blessing that we can receive called a patriarchal blessing that will tell each person, uh, usually, what uh, house of Israel they are being adopted into. And so by that, uh, we try to take on some of the responsibilities given in those blessings to Ephraim to you know, spread the gospel and things like that. At least that's way, how we interpret it. Uh, and therefore, we're trying to carry out the, the, the missions and things like that uh, from Old Testament time as well. I I didn't even realize that there was a connection there. That's that's incredible. Um, I it, what's interesting about this too is you are just you are a fountain of knowledge when it comes to these things because there are so many people who are religious and I'll ask them questions and they're like I I don't know this is something we do and they don't really <laughs> they don't really know uh, the 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 why behind it and like you're just you're you're very not I'm very impressed at how knowledgeable you are about well, your religion. I, I'm um, just really on the surface here <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i know for for sure and like and that's the thing too is like i wanted to go through kind of because uh, obviously we could do this for hours but like yeah. i wanted to um give you some of the, some of the quick hitters like some of the things that like people hear about um mormons that you can dispel and you can just be like nah it's nonsense or you can explain a little bit so oh, no, when, that's totally when, true no. <laughs> yeah right yeah oh no that's yeah exactly so like for instance like it, you guys are you you don't drink uh, alcohol you stay away right. from caffeine um and basically anything that would alter your perception right uh let me explain that too so okay. this is a revelation that was given to joseph smith uh during his lifetime and it's nicknamed kind of the, the word of wisdom uh now we have in addition to the book of mormon which you consider part of scripture uh, we look at that as kind of like another uh testament that jesus christ lives and you know he has this special mission that kind of stuff uh there's also a book of scripture called the doctrine and covenants um, now that's most of those are more modern day contemporary kind of revelations given through Joseph Smith or other people. Uh, but one of those recorded there is what we call the, the word of wisdom. And it's kind of like some do's and don'ts. 
Uh, I don't see this as being like an all-inclusive or exclusive list or anything, but some things are spelled out fairly specifically. Uh, like don't uh, consume alcohol. Uh, don't uh, consume uh, tobacco products. So we stick away from, you know, whether it's uh, cigarettes or like, you know, chewing tobacco or things like that, we stick away from those. Uh, and then one of the things that's listed is called hot drinks. That's kind of nebulous. <laughs> and so that's been a little bit more clarified more recently as being tea and coffee. Now, there are some exceptions to that. Uh, where there's certain types of tea that you can have, but we pretty much stick away from all coffee. Um, it isn't necessarily caffeine, although um, some people, like myself included, I do try to stick away from caffeine. Uh, I'll still eat like you know um, chocolate or you know yeah. have like maybe like a, a hot chocolate drink or something. Um, but I do try to stay away from caffeinated drinks, whether it's soda or you know again coffee or tea or those kind of things. Uh, but specifically, that's not that's not doctrine. It's just I think it's a good idea. Now, it, it also doesn't say like, oh, you should stay away from you know marijuana or crack cocaine or these, these kind of things. But uh, kind of the spirit of that too is that um, your body is a gift from God, and it's kind of the, the temple of your spirit. So you ought to treat it as such and do things that are healthy for it. And so it doesn't specifically say you should probably exercise you know, this many you know, hours a day or something like that. But uh, there are some things that are uh, kind of the spirit of that – uh, that scripture as well to kind of say, well, if you're really taking care of your body, what ought else you to do? You know, whether it's again exercise or uh, you know staying away from other things that might be addictive or harmful to you, uh, we consider that all kind of uh, part of that as well. If that makes sense, yeah, it it does. Um, is it? It's a guideline. A hey, this is a sin. Like what it's like, is it's it? like the pirate code, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's more of a really rule. It's not really rules. More of a guideline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there's some things like, um, like alcohol, tobacco and coffee and tea specifically that are, those are clear cut in the scripture. Uh, you want to at least do those. And then beyond that, uh, to a large extent, a lot of it's left up to your interpretation or your specific, um, inspiration that you're guided to. Um, like it doesn't say be a vegetarian, but some people feel like, you know, maybe if I'm, you know, mostly vegetarian or something like that, maybe that's, maybe that's better or something. Okay. Well that, Hey, if that's the way you feel inspired, you know, go for it. Um, but as far as the, the bare minimum, it would be, you know, stay away from the alcohol, tobacco, coffee, those are some pretty simple things there. Does that so answer your question? It does. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think another one, and I think people will be screaming at me like in like screaming at their cell phones or however they're listening to this podcast. If I don't ask this question, <sighs> let's talk about polygamy sure um it how how did like is that j is it just something that is part of the religion is it something that's archaic and it used to be part of the religion is it something that's only like certain sex like how how does that work with the church great question and another one i get a lot right and that's and i appreciate you asking because a lot of people get a little timid when they when yeah. i ask this question something um so if we look let me step back into history a little bit as well uh, there have been people in like you know, Old Testament kind of uh, time periods that had multiple wives or concubines or things like that too, um, whether they were prophets or that kind of stuff as well. So we look at this kind of like a, uh, you ought not to do it unless you're specifically commanded to. And so just how there could have been times in the past where God may have commanded a specific person to practice this you know, polygamy, uh, and hey, if God said so, then it's okay. But when he doesn't say so, you shouldn't be doing it. And so there was a specific time period in the early part of the church where that was commanded, and for some specific people, it wasn't necessarily like, okay, everybody just have as many wives as you want, off you go, kind of thing. It was much more directed and kind of controlled than that, and it was for a very specific amount of time. That is no longer the case in the church today, meaning we are not being commanded to do that 
in this day and age. In fact, if someone is involved in politic polygamy, they are excommunicated from the church. So wow. we take a pretty, pretty serious stance on that. So when you so, see those like shows on TV, they're like, yeah, you know, the uh, yeah, those are those are not a part of my church. Those are uh, people that are part of offshoots of the church. So we have those two. <laughs> oh. right? So there's so, been certain things like when when we ended that practice officially, uh, there are some people that said, I don't believe that we're going to do our own thing and kind of made their own offshoot. Uh, and there's been a couple different instances in that time where there have been some offshoots off of the church. Uh, for example, when they moved that that final move west, some people decided, you know, we're going to stay here and and kind of made their offshoot um, of the religion there, too. Wow. Like that. It, again, just just all those preconceived notions you had psh, just blown them up. It's what we're doing tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I, was, I mean, those are those are the big ones that I've always wondered about, like the things that like, yeah, I mean, the, the things that I, I had never Really, I'm not just gonna like walk up to somebody and be like, "Hey, you Mormon, hey, answer this question for me." Um, it was just those those things that I've I've always kind of wanted to know, but never really yeah. knew because you, you see it on TV, and you know you know how TV is. If it's on TV, it's got to be true. So, right. <laughs> especially with the polygamy kind of thing, there there are those shows that show, "Hey, here's some people that are still doing this kind of thing." It's actually against the law, right? Um, like federally against the law. Uh, but additionally, um, like the they won't specifically say, "Oh, these are people that are part of this church." They'll kind of like dance around a little bit, so you kind of like left to assume, which is yeah. kind of unfortunate. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. It's entertainment, whatever. Um, now, let me let me throw one your way. Um, a lot of people ask about temples because uh, we do have temples, right? You've probably seen those. Yeah, there's one. There's there's a famous one in D.C. Yeah, like yeah, there's right? <laughs> super bright, like ton of lights on it, and stuff, right? Yeah, and it's got like <laughs> it's got the big statue of it's Gabriel with the horn. Is that right? It's actually Moroni. Oh, so it is Moroni. There we go. Okay. Yep, and so we kind of, and he's got a trumpet and that kind of stuff. So if you if you read in Revelation, it'll talk about like a um, an angel that's going out to like proclaim the gospel or that kind of thing. So yep. we kind of see that as uh, Moroni was the fulfillment of, or at least partial fulfillment of that prophecy. Of he's kind of got this other part of the gospels, well, sort of in the in the Book of Mormon that he's pushing. He's kind of that that um, that key piece to push that out to the world again through Joseph Smith kind of thing. Yeah, and so he, he's kind of like shown as that person. Uh, kind of declaring that in this day and age, if that makes sense. That's kind of the sim symbology that's uh, involved there. Uh, now, for temples, uh, we do have temples, right? And they are different than a church building. Uh, you probably guessed that too, right? Yeah. <laughs> probably, there's like church buildings like all over the place. Uh, there's not, well, there's quite a few temples these days. Uh, I mean, in my lifetime, they went from having like, I don't know, 50 to like well over 100 now across the world, which is pretty cool. Uh, but here's kind of what that's all about. Uh, like, just imagine, um, like, if there was a temple built in Jerusalem again, right, if that reconstructed or whatever, that would be mm -hmm. very different than, like, a synagogue or some other, you know, place you go on, like, a weekly basis, right? Yeah. Same kind of thing for us, right? The temple isn't a place we go to every week or anything, uh, necessarily. It's more special ordinance. It's more of a considered a holy site, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we don't believe we're restricted to have one specific temple or anything, uh, but you can dedicate them as the Lord directs, you know, all over the world. Uh, now, what happens there is more special ordinances, whereas a baptism, uh, you know, if you're a person that wants to join the church, has to be baptized. That can happen pretty much anywhere. Uh, other things that happen um, must be done in a temple. Uh, now, some of those things will be like a, a temple marriage. And now, let me explain that a little bit. Okay. Uh, most people, when they get married, it's till death do you part, right? We don't do that in temples. It's a different kind of marriage. 
just like when um, when uh, Adam and Eve were you know essentially married by God in the Garden of Eden. Uh, we don't believe that was a tell death you part kind of thing because they they were in the Garden of Eden. They were they were they were going to die till they got kicked out, right? Yeah. So there's expectation <laughs> of kind of eternity eternity in that kind of thing, right? So we believe that when um, God ordains it and it's done by the proper authority. Um, and this kind of goes back to the authority that was given, we call the sealing power that was given to Peter and it's been given to others as well, uh, where he was told that whatever he seals on earth will be sealed in heaven and whatever he looses on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, that can pertain to marriage. So if that marriage is, is performed by that power, that authority, uh, that it's bound on earth, that's going to be bound in heaven as well. So after death, you can still be bound as a husband and wife, uh, in heaven. We also believe that children can be linked to their parents as well. So there's this huge binding of people together uh, that are sealed as families, one generation after another. Now, we also believe that we can perform certain saving ordinances on people's be other people's behalf if they have already passed away. Now, this, there's a lot of other confusion about this. <laughs> okay, uh, So we call this proxy. Uh, baptisms, right? Just mm -hmm. as in Christ uh, took on our sins and paid for them by proxy, same kind of thing going on here. But this is a chance for us to act in a small, small way as a savior for someone else, doing something for them that they could not do for themselves because they're already, they're already dead, right? And we do believe that some of these ordinances have to be done uh, in mortality, right? Therefore, like, for example, if someone, well, one of my ancestors, you know, having generations back, uh, never had the opportunity to be baptized. And we do believe baptism has to have be, be done by the proper authority as well. So if that authority didn't exist on earth during that person's lifetime, are they just screwed? <laughs> you know? uh, we yeah. believe no, because <laughs> we can do these things on their behalf. And then in the afterlife, they have the opportunity to either accept or reject these things. It's totally up to them. So we're not forcing people to you know, be baptized necessarily. But we're saying, hey, if you want to accept this as being done in proxy on your behalf, you're free to do so now. Uh, so baptisms for the dead, we're not, again, by proxy, you know, we're not digging up bodies or anything. Uh, that happens in temples as well. And there's a lot of symbolism and that kind of stuff for that. Uh, now, uh, we can also do even uh, marriages, the, the, uh, the ceiling, the temple marriage for people that have passed as well. And so there's a lot of work that's being done on the behalf of people that have passed away. That's one of the reasons why uh, members of my church are really big into genealogy, because they're looking at people in their past. That's exactly... That was actually my next question because um, my my dad is is really big into genealogy and he I remember as a kid him saying like oh hey the Mormons just having in, impeccable records when it comes to genealogy and he he laughed he's like you know I wish some of our our our, uh, our relatives were Mormon because it make this a whole heck of a lot easier but yeah like that that explains that too and that's that I it's something I've always wanted to know. Yeah, and so the, that's kind of how that fits in, is because we're trying to figure out, again, who were they, what were they all about, you know, was this work done for them before? If it hasn't been, how do we do that now? And so there'll be huge amounts of records of all these different people, how they're linked together, because we want to link them to their parents, and we want to link them to their children and to their spouses, and so that it's all kind of this huge, you know, chain going through time of all these different people linked together. And we feel that that's one of the things that is important to do uh, in preparation for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah, that's 
man, <laughs> I again, I'm 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 getting all these questions answered. Now this one's weird. Okay, so please just bear with me here. If if it's if it's stupid, <laughs> if it's stupid, please just be like Mike. What the hell, dude? Um, so the sheet, the the thing with the hole and the sheet when it comes to uh, relations. Do, do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, I think I know where you're going, but that's not a thing with us. If it's Thank God. <laughs> okay. All right. So like, do you, okay. The, uh, apparently that was, and I'm going to hang on Mormon. You know, it's, yeah, it's just, un it's unfortunate. But. Here's, here's what it, here's what it says. It's, it, this is from, I'm not even going to name the website cause it's retarded. <laughs> it's, it's just so ridiculous. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, it said married married Mormon men are not allowed to see their wives naked when it's time to procreate. Therefore, a woman covers her entire body, including head, with a plain white sheet with a hole cut out in the area. This sure. allows the, the man to <laughs> penetrate her while never seeing her nakedness. Like that's that, funny. That, that's some like um, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that doesn't apply to us at all. It's complete and utter nonsense, right? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, wanted no, this. I wanted to spell this stuff as much as I possibly can because, uh, like, these are the things that I hear, and I'm like, these, this can't be right. There's no way this is true, right? Like, yeah, like it's, it, it's one of those things where, like, I'm, I'm a big believer in. I, I'm, I'm never gonna meet somebody who's like of a certain religion or a certain sect, and I'm gonna be like, well, no, we can't talk. Um, it. <laughs> It's it's all about a common bond of decency of a certain morality, and it's it's one of those things where you and I may not see eye to eye on how we think that the universe was created, or or who who or what is the the one who created us, or what happens after we pass away. But the respect for life and the respect for for being a decent human being is essentially what makes, in my opinion, like is what kept us friends as long as we've been friends, and. It's also something that you know when you know that somebody has that same sense of belief, you know where they're coming from. If they say something you disagree with, you would know at least that, hey, this this is a decent person who 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 believes in this certain moral code that a lot of religions have kind of established. And I think there's this Venn diagram where uh, probably about 20,000 of them intersect with each other. But then sure. also too, there's a line to where cert where certain things get blurred and skewed and, and mixed up, and it's just it's something it's it's nice to know that all of these things that you hear these crazy things that get whispered like I heard they have sex with through a hole in a sheet is all nonsense. <laughs> like, well, it, the 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 really d difficult parts is when there's some things that are true or have a, a sliver of truth in them that are then construed in a weird way or something. Exactly. Like that lot too you know like i've heard a lot of stuff like oh in those temples you do xyz you're like what do you I'm like well there is something kind of like you know like you know baptisms for the i heard you baptize dead people like well no we don't dig up bodies you know or anything, but there is some kind of stuff that's kind of like that i guess you know if you think of it in this weird way or whatever um so just kind of like bring some truth or some perspective to certain things it can be really yeah. helpful too now when, when it comes to people of different religions that kind of stuff uh, i tend to see it like this have you ever heard the analogy of like the blind man and the elephant no. Okay, so there's all these blind men, and they come across this elephant, and each of them are contacting with their hands in different areas. One of them is feeling the side of the elephant. Oh, it's, this this kind of feels like a wall. You know, one of them is feeling the uh, the the um, the leg of the elephant. This is kind of like a tree. You know, one of them's got the the tail. This is kind of like a rope. Or one's got the uh, the tusk. Oh, this is kind of like a spear. You know, or the, all these different pieces of the elephant. It's all one thing, 
everyone just has these different perspectives on different parts of it. I think religion is a lot like that, where I think most of what most religions have to say is based in truth, right? Is based in some sort of inspiration or that kind of stuff from God at some point, right? That we're just seeing things in, from a different perspective where we don't have the whole picture to say, oh, this is how that fits in, right? Um, I don't claim that our church has all the truth either. In fact, we know that we don't because we expect to have a lot more information coming down the pipe too that can be revealed in the future. Um, so we know we don't know everything, uh, but we also looked at things and say, whether it's cultural or whatever, like uh, we try to be inclusive to say, if there's good things that you know about and that you're, you know, you have more information, like, hey, share it with us, right? We, we want to take part in that too, you know, kind of thing. And so like, for example, when, um, when I joined the army, like when I went through basic and stuff, I'd already gone on a mission for my church, which is extremely strict, right? As far as rules and that kind of stuff. But what's interesting is you're kind of left to your own devices. Like you have a companion that you're supposed to stay around with. Um, but like, you're not like being watched over like, like some drill sergeant or something like that. You're expected <laughs> to do things like, because you believe it, right? Yeah. Because you believe it's the right thing to do. So when I came to basic and all these other people like, oh, this is so hard. I'm away from my family. I'm like, this is easy now. <laughs> like, this is nothing yeah. to mention. Um, but one of the big things I learned on a mission, not only was that, like how to like overcome my fear of like talking to people, like knocking on someone's door, like, hey, let's talk about religion. That's not taboo at all, right? Um, <laughs> Everybody wants to talk about that, yeah. Right? In a place that's like 98% Buddhist, you know, and whatever. But <clears throat> anyway, um, I really learned how to love other people and want to serve them and see the similarities between them and me even if they were very different when it came from like a, a philosophical or religious standpoint or cultural or whatever. So when I deployed to Iraq, I feel like kind of like we were talking about before, a lot of people had these kind of preconceived notions about Islam or, or whatever, right? And, or about the culture there and like, oh, these people are all out of whack and all this kind of stuff uh, and, and kind of learn to hate some of the people there. I feel like my mission set me up to learn how to love people there. Yeah. And so... Um, like even after, like we just, uh, I think I mentioned this to you before, but we actually had a foreign exchange student that was from Kuwait come and stay for us for a while. And yeah, I, I yeah, saw like your pictures and stuff that you guys were putting yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. And, um, like, again, I don't think Islam is a bad religion. Right. Uh, I think, and, and maybe like I actually did a report on Muhammad and, and kind of learned more about him. It was fascinating to learn. I think there's actually a lot of parallels between Muhammad and Joseph Smith, if I can say that. Uh, there's a lot of things that aren't parallels, but yeah. like as far as like angelic visitation and you know that that kind of stuff, um, it follows a very similar pattern. So hey, maybe what maybe Muhammad was inspired, you know, or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not the judge of that. I can just assume, like, give the benefit of the doubt and say he's probably trying to do the best he had with what he had. Yeah, and whatever piece of inspiration or whatever came down the pipe for him, he's trying to follow that to the best of his ability. That's my assumption. Yeah, you know, and, and I, whatever happens since then to now, you know, who knows? And I think that's a great perspective that you have too. Is that like your time in your religion, your time being a um, a missionary for for your religion uh, didn't it didn't narrow your focus on religion it didn't say like mine is always right and it's perfect and it's great and if you don't like it then you're horrible like it right. it opened it it opened it, your eyes to that and i think a lot of people don't don't see it that way they they feel that you're you're so indoctrinated and that there's no possible way that you could see other things that that's why you're you're out and you're you know you're spreading you know the, the good word so to speak 
And that's that's awesome because there was as and I and I had a similar experiences in in my dealings with the military as well, sure. and it was it was it would it always frustrated me when when you heard those comments from people the mm-hmm. oh they're they're savages and you're like they're really not man like they're no <laughs> yeah it's not like that at all like it's they're they're just like us like in in a lot of aspects and it it yeah it. That's encouraging to me. And again, it's that common bond. It's that it doesn't really matter which which thing you claim is your belief structure is that can you see the world for what it is? Can you see that everybody's just uh, there? We're all trying to make answer. We're all trying to figure out why we're here and we're all trying to figure out what the truth is. And we're, we may all have our own truth, but in some ways, shape or form, for the most part, it's very similar to what everybody else is saying. So Absolutely. I think that's. I think that that's kind of a great, great point kind of to, to wrap things up here. But Joe, I wanted to give you one more chance here, man. If, if there was one thing that you could tell anybody, like if, if you could say, hey, this is what my religion is all about. Like, how, how would you explain that? Like, what, it, I mean, I know that's difficult, but like, what is what does it mean to you to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? There, there's so many different ways I can answer this uh, because we're not really a one dimensional religion. Like all these different things we're talking about are integral parts. And so it's so hard to define the religion as it's just this one thing or this other. Uh, if I could put it any, in any way, I think one of the big things that really um, defines us is our reliance on inspiration from the Holy Spirit. And that's on a church-wide level, on an individual level. And our expectation, like to join our church, you have to have that kind of inspirational experience. Like <laughs> you, you really do. Like what we do as missionaries and everything is we'll, we'll teach people and say, here's what we believe, but don't take my word for it. If you want to join, we're not going to just say, okay, and let you join. You have to have something that happens to you that, that you feel is inspiration from God that tells you this is true. That's when you get to become a member, right? Even yeah. kids, like my daughter, we, we believe that you can't be a member, like you can't be baptized before you're eight years old. That's what we believe is what we call the age of accountability. So we're talking with her and saying, hey, this is kind of, here's what we're teaching, but what do you think? Do you think this is right? Do you think this is true? Do I love, feel I love that. Heart, this is what's yeah. going on. If you do, then you can be baptized. Then you can be part of this and everything. And, it, and it's a struggle from there, of course, <laughs> you know, yeah. from there on to say, do I still think this is true? You know, and, and um, because it's so easy to forget those, those spiritual experiences that we have, the inspiration that you've had before, like, oh, was that? Was that real? Did I just make it up or, you know, whatever. So it's, it's this constant kind of battle to say, am I still being inspired? Am I being inspired in the right direction? Is this right? Do I need to adjust course, whatever? And that's really what our religion is about. It's about yeah. people trying to find inspiration from God to know what to do, to do the right thing. That's awesome, man. I, I think that that's a, a perfect end cap to this, to this whole thing. Uh, guys, uh, his name is Joe Kachuk. He's a great dude. He is. He was one of my favorite people to hang out with when we were uh, in AIT. It's one of the reasons why I'm glad that I was able to have you on tonight, man. And I'm glad you were able to be so incredibly knowledgeable about this thing that I've I, that I knew absolutely nothing about. It's been my absolute pleasure. Um, I love talking about this stuff. I could talk about this all day or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I would say, you know, if there is anyone out there that hears this and says, you know what, this is really intriguing. I want to know more. You know, reach out to somebody, whether it's a missionary, go on the, you know, the church's website, um, churchofjesuschrist.org, uh, I think, or like LDS.org is an easier way to get there. Uh, there's tons of resources out there. There's people that will, will talk with you and tell you more. 
Um, again, without pressure, not us saying like, <laughs> you must be, you know, you're, we're the Borg and there's resistance is futile or whatever. Uh, but it's like, if you want to know more, there's so many ways to know more too. And there's yeah. so much more going on than, than what we, we can cover today. But again, my absolute pleasure that uh, you brought me on the show here. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the, the great questions you came up with and everything. <laughs> They're fantastic. And hey, you can have me on any other time if you ever want to talk about anything else too. <laughs> I can I can tell you this with 100% certainty. Uh, my co-host in GGR Pirate Radio, Steve Monick, is a religious person. When I told him that you were going to come on, he was fascinated. And he was like, oh, I have so many questions, but I can't come on on Saturday. So we will probably do a follow up where he gets to ask you some questions too, and I think it'll I think it'll be a lot of fun. But um, but guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mike on the Mic uh, on uh, the GGR Pirate Radio Network. Uh, thanks again for being part of uh, our listening family and for for helping this little website that we uh, that we have continue on its uh, its magical way here. So uh, for everybody here at the Great Geek Refuge, again, my name is Mike Lunsford, and don't be a juice bag. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website greatgeekrefuge.com for more podcasts and our awesome articles. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy! <laughs>